0: When the Israelites crossed into the Promised Land, one of the instructions for Joshua was to designate six special cities. They were Levitical cities where the Levites lived, but they were also cities of refuge. That's what God called them. And if you were an Israelite in those days, the justice system was a little different than it is now. It was back in the tribal days and. Uh, If someone was killed, a family member, the closest family member, could be the avenger of blood and find the one who had done the killing and uh, kill them. Well, obviously, there are accidental killings and things like that. So God provided for that, and he said, if you are charged with that or if it accidentally happens or, or some way you can make your way to a city of refuge, And the authorities there have to protect you. They have to make sure you get a fair trial, and you'll be safe there. The concept of refuge is all through this book. Uh, Find a concordance that lists words, and look up the verses that they uh, refer to, and look up refuge. And you'll find verse after verse after verse where God talks about refuge. You'll find it called a rock, a shield, a hiding place, a shelter, a fortress. We see that in our songs. A lot of the ones we've sung this morning have mentioned some of those things. One we didn't sing, but one of the greatest hymns ever written, written by Martin Luther, called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That first line says, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, never failing. Uh, We don't use that word much these days, but a a bulwark is a a mound of earth, a a wall, something that keeps the enemy away. You get behind the bulwark and you're safe. The arrows can't get you there. Martin Luther said, a mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark, never failing. Turn to Psalm 91.1. I'm going to continue the theme of the conference just a little bit and actually expand it a bit, hopefully. A couple of thoughts that might help. While you're turning to Psalm 91.1, I'll point out a good tip for you, a good thing to remember. And we all teach our kids, if they ever get in trouble, to call nine-one-one. That's what Christians should do. You get in trouble. Dial Psalm ninety-one-one. Psalm ninety-one-one says, "He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of His of the Almighty." I will, excuse me. I will say of the Lord, "He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust." There's the refuge. That was the theme passage of the conference this weekend. God is our refuge. He alone is our refuge. And that's what that first verse in Psalm 91 says, and the rest of it talks about it too. One thing I'd like to point out is is how God describes himself. I was told one time by a speaker or a speaker coach or somebody, that a good speaker varies his illustrations, has illustrations that appeal to everyone, and not just one thing. For instance, if I left to myself, I'd probably just use sports illustrations all the time. But a lot of you wouldn't get that. So I, I try to come up with other illustrations that everybody kind of relates to, or most of you. God does that. You see, he starts off there in verse 1, and he talks about a refuge being a fortress and a rock and a shield. And some of you like that illustration. Some of you get that. Get a little military bent to you. You're ready for a fight. You you know sometimes you are in a fight, and, man, it's good to get inside the fortress. But God realized there's other folks that think a little bit differently, so down in verse 4... Look what he says. Down in verse four, he says, He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. That's a whole different picture. It's the same picture, but it's a whole different picture. It's a picture of a mother bird. A mother bird that gathers her chicks or her little babies to her and puts her wings over them and won't let anybody get to them. Some of you have seen that firsthand. We had a duck's nest in our garden one year. and Mama Mallard took pretty good care of her eggs. You go out to get the paper or walk past, she was on the defense. She was ready for you. We've got a lot of geese that winter in Wichita, and some of them right now are uh, having their little goslings around. You find a mother with some of those and try to mess with them, you'll see what 91.4 means. Okay, And that's what God says of himself. He'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. Uh, That's the verse that our ladies picked as the theme for their conference. They understood that. Well, whatever picture you relate to, uh, whatever refuge comes to your mind, let's just start by admitting that that's a fact. God is our refuge. Whether you picture him as a great stone fortress or a bulwark or a mother hen, Gathering her chicks, he's our refuge. That's a truth, that's a fact, that's a promise. He alone is our refuge. Now, let me share with you two thoughts that hopefully will help you expand that and think about it a little bit. He is our refuge. We've established that. We believe that. First thing I want you to think about is sometimes to be our refuge. Sometimes he is our refuge All by himself. Okay, write that down. Sometimes he is our refuge all by himself. And I mean divinely, I mean it's a God thing. Sometimes he's our refuge that way. Elisha, one time, uh, his servant went out in the morning and looked out, and the armies of Aram were all around the house. Remember that story? The armies everywhere. They'd come to kill Elisha. The servant freaked. He went back inside and he said, Elisha, he said, We got troubles. And Elisha went out and looked and he said, We got no problems. He he said, God open his eyes so he can see. And God opened his eyes, and then the servant could see that behind all of these physical armies there was a spiritual army. There was a huge host of horsemen and chariots of fire ready to defend Elisha. He had a refuge there. And sometimes God is our refuge just all by himself. second verse of that Mighty Fortress is Our God song says, Lord Sabaoth is his name. That's not Lord Sabbath not Lord of the Sabbath, it's Lord Sabaoth. It means the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of the heavenly hosts. And sometimes he turns them loose. Sometimes he says, Elisha's got a problem down there. And he turns the heaven's hosts loose on them. Sometimes he will unleash heaven's hosts to protect us. And we pray for that. We say, put a hedge of protection around somebody. That's what we want. We want spiritual, divine help. And sometimes he does it that way. Sometimes if his servant David is in a battle and he needs to finish it, and it's about to get dark, God will just stop the sun. He did that all by himself. Sometimes when his people need out of captivity... And there's no way that the Pharaoh is going to go along with it. God will unleash the death angel. He'll go to break Pharaoh's heart. Get my people out. Sometimes he does that all by himself. Sometimes he needs an apostle out of jail. And he'll just shake the earth. He'll shake the doors off. Sometimes he does that all by himself. Sometimes he divinely... Rescues and protects and shields us. In fact, just knowing that is a pretty good fortress. In fact, that's what verse 4 finishes up with. Verse 4 says, his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Just knowing that he's always there, that he will be faithful. Just knowing that is a fortress, is a refuge. So sometimes he is our refuge all by himself. But write this down, usually he is our refuge through humans. Usually he provides that refuge through us, through others, through people. That's where people find refuge. He uses us. He uses others to provide a refuge. That's what I entitled the sermon, Providing a Refuge, because I don't want to talk most of our time about that. Elijah, when he had to hide out, remember God fed him divinely for a while? Told the ravens, take food to him. So he did. That's how he got his sustenance. But at some point, he said, no, now you go over to the widow of Zarephath, and she'll provide for you. Now, God could have done it any way he wanted, divinely, without people's help. But he knew that widow needed some help, too, so he got her involved. So Elijah shows up at the widow's house, and he says, I need something to eat. And she said, man, this is a bad place to come. We're down to our last oil and our last flour, and I'm getting ready to bake our last cake, and then we're going to die. And Elijah said, bake the cake. You know, God's going to provide a refuge here. He told me to come here. So she did, and it just kept being provided. Well, Elijah got his refuge, but guess what? The widow got something out of that, too. That's the way God does it sometimes. In fact, that's the way he usually does it. He had some spies trapped in Jericho one time. He could have got them out divinely. He could have teleported them right through the wall. But he didn't. He chose to get a lady named Rahab involved lady with a bad reputation, but God said she needs a little touch of God in her life, so Rahab, you work with my spies. You provide their refuge. You get them out. And she did. She was blessed to be the way to provide a refuge for God's people. Now, if you understand that, that sometimes he's our refuge all by himself. Usually he's our refuge through other people. Then the conference and the things that happen around here and other places start to make a lot more sense. If you were at the conference yesterday, you saw a video. A video of three of our women here at Northside telling their stories about how they found refuge from the, the troubles they were in. And it's a little off track. And I don't know who all was involved in that video, but that was a world-class video, folks. Yeah, we've got a lot of talent around here. I know Carol Holmes had a big part in it, and I know other people did that I don't even know about, but I guarantee you that was amazing. Anyhow, the three women in it told their stories, and one of them, Leslie Block, who you know has been on a journey with Callum, she said this. She said, in our journey with Callum, we have found our refuge in God through our church family. And when she said that, I wrote it down. I said, That's right. God, she knows God is her refuge. That's a fact. That's a promise. That's a truth. And sometimes He does things divinely, all by Himself, but usually He lets us get involved. That's what she said. They found their refuge. Our church family here and the others all said something similar to that. Their refuge showed up in other people. Their refuge showed up in a a missionary family, in a husband, in a mother-in-law, in in a support group, in, in somebody that steps in and provides a refuge. Let me see if this helps you understand that point a little bit. We've got a little girl here this morning who's at church for the first time. Name's Allie Larkham. Now she was born seven and a half months ago. She hadn't come to church for seven and a half months. And those of you that don't know why, let me tell you, she was born way too early, way way too early. She weighed one pound seven ounces. Well, today she weighs ten and a half pounds, and she's ready for her debut. She's ready to meet the family. It's safe to be around you now, Randy Her grandmother told me that the doctors explained to them when all this started, and she was born so prematurely. She explained. The doctor said the womb is the perfect environment. The womb is the perfect place for babies to grow up and develop and become all that they're supposed to be. And then after nine months in that perfect environment, they're ready to come out into this world. And so the doctor said, since she's not in the perfect environment, she's going to have problems. There are going to be setbacks and probably going to be vision problems and hearing problems and infections There'll be neurological problems. Okay. And they said because of that, it's critical to get it as much like the perfect environment as we can. So the neonatal unit tries to make it as much like a womb as they can. But they then told Kelly that as the mother, since the mother's a huge part of this environment for nine months, you've got to be there as much as you can. And you've got to talk to that baby and you've got to sing to her and you've got to read to her and you've got to be like she was still in the perfect environment. So Kelly did that. Kelly sang to her and she read to her and she pretty much the only baby I've ever heard of that has had the whole Bible read to them before they were ready to term. Okay. Well anyhow They provided that. And because of that, the doctors are amazed. Doctors don't understand it. Because, you see, she had no vision problems. She's got no hearing loss. She never had pneumonia or any infections. She's way ahead of the curve on all charts. Now, we know that Father's feathers covered her. We know there's some divine stuff going on there. And yeah, she's another one of our Northside miracles. we got a lot of them around here. So, so we understand that there's some divine refuge going on there. But understand, in addition to that, the doctors and nurses had to do their part and and Kelly had to do her part as mother and Scott and the rest of the family had to do their part and most all of you i imagine have been praying for seven and a half months praying faithfully for the day that you get to meet miss alley everybody did their part everybody helped provide A refuge when it was needed. Now, if you understand that, let me just say this. Folks, we are not in the perfect environment. The world's a mess. We are in the midst of a mess. Satan is working. Martin Luther put that in the song, too. Our foe seeks to work us woe. Yeah, he's out there, so, so we're in a mess, but we're not in the perfect environment. Someday we will be. Someday we'll get back to that perfect environment, but not now. Now, we all need a refuge. And we need different kinds of refuge, and some people need a refuge more than others, and, yeah, and I know all that, but we all need a refuge. And I want you as a Christian to understand the importance of providing a refuge. The ladies talked all weekend about how God was their refuge and how they needed a refuge and all that. I want to take that just a step further and make us think as Christians that we get to provide a refuge. He uses us. He blesses us. He lets us be a part of it. Toby kicked off this year a Light of Life campaign. Picked four things, a simple house and a soup kitchen and carpenter place and uh, CR, Celebrate Recovery. And said, get involved in that. Give a little money, but give time. Why were we asked to do that? Because the people involved in those ministries need a refuge. And God lets us help. Provide that refuge. And I know a lot of you have gotten involved in them and are are providing that refuge. That's the plan. He usually uses us to provide a refuge. All those folks that come to those ministries need a refuge. Some of them just need a meal. Some of them need a lot more than that. And a lot of you are involved in it. There's folks that come here faithfully. Faithfully. Every Thursday night, get things ready, provide child care, open the doors, lay the food out, do everything, and open the doors to anybody that's got a hurt or a habit or a hang-up. And the sign doesn't say that on the door, but what they're saying is, here's a refuge. There's a refuge here. We don't know what kind of mess you're in, but there's a refuge here. God is our refuge, but we get to say, you get in behind this bulwark, we'll help you. That's what Christians get to do. Friday and Saturday, hundreds of women came from all over the country seeking refuge. Not all the same thing, all different. They all had different reasons, but they came because it's a refuge. And I wish I could explain somehow. I can't explain it. I can't even understand it myself. But let me just say I wish you could understand how amazing it is that the people in this room provide that refuge. The conference is a big deal, folks. And I know some of you are challenged gender-wise, so you don't get to know anything about it. A uh, few of us get to slip in and see what goes on, but I guarantee you it's a big deal, and it 's a big deal to us, in addition to a lot of work, but the women that come from everywhere come because it 's a refuge they sacrifice they they spend a lot of money and a lot of time driving a long ways, some of them, and I get to stand around and talk to them and I meet some, and I'll ask them questions. And I'll say, where are you from? And I hear everything. Colorado, Arkansas, San Antonio, South Dakota. They're from everywhere. And I say, how many did you come from your congregation? Oh, 10 or 8 or 18. And some say, I came last year. The young lady sitting in here came last year alone. This year she brought her mother and sister. That's what happens, because... It's such an amazing refuge. And the people in this room get to provide that refuge. Now, because of that, we got some really tired people in here today. We got some that are whipped. Yeah? We got some folks that have made that huge effort. And the last thing they even want to think about today is another conference. You know they got through this one, and they're going to see if they can survive the afternoon. But there's people driving home right now. Who that's what they are thinking about is next year. We always have folks stay at our house, and I always ask them what they liked best and what they didn't like, and all that. And last night one of them answered me and told me all the things that she liked about this year and all that. She said, "But I'm already looking forward to next year." We're not big on recognition around here. We're not big on naming names, and you know I tease the management team, tell them I'm going to have them come up on stage and and all that, and I I get abused when I even mention that kind of thing. And we just don't do that. But you know who you are. This room's full of you, folks that had a part in providing that refuge. I want to thank you. I know that doesn't pay you back. You could talk to all those people I talk to, and I know you do talk to some of them, and you'll read the feedback cards, and you'll get the calls and emails and all that, and I hope you understand how important it is that you provided that refuge. That's just one example. There's so many others around this place. Okay, let me summarize real quick, and we'll quit. He is our refuge, yeah. We've established that. That's a fact. That's a truth. That's a promise. God is a refuge. He alone is our refuge. But he lets us help provide that refuge. It's what we get to do as Christians, as his people. And I didn't mention it as a separate point, but I hope you see in that that when we help provide the refuge, he multiplies our efforts. What little part we do. If you just worked for an hour at the the concession stand, or if you worked all week on the concession stand, like Lauren, Uh, and everybody did different degrees of work and different amounts and all that, and whatever you did, he multiplied what you did. He does that when he lets us get involved in helping provide the effort. A story about the widow provided the cake and said, We're going to eat our last cake and die. That's how some of you volunteers feel right now. <laughs> you yeah, know, we got conference done, we're going to die. Well, God provided for the widow, and I think He'll restore you over the days ahead, hopefully. Um, but it's a great work. Let me finish by reading Psalm seventy-three, twenty-three. Asaph said this. He said, I am always with you. He's talking to God. I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Okay. Now that's a picture of God being our refuge. He holds us by the right hand no matter what kind of a mess we're in. He holds us by the right hand. What I hope you got today makes you think, who's really grabbing that hand? Sometimes God grabs it divinely. But sometimes it's somebody sitting close to you. Somebody. Sometimes it's somebody that you don't know providing a refuge for you through CR or through service or through the conference or something. They're holding your right hand. Sometimes it's a divine hand, but usually it's yours or mine. That's a great blessing as a Christian to get to be that right hand of God. We are privileged to be the hand of God. We are blessed to provide a refuge. Let me read the last couple of verses of Psalm 91, and then we'll be done. Psalm 91, starting in verse 14 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life, Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. God promises there that if we love him, if we acknowledge him, he will be our refuge. That promises to the children of God, if you're not a child of God, we're going to invite you to become one this morning. If you know what that entails, we'd like to help you put Christ on in baptism. If you don't know what it means to be a child of God, we'd love to talk to you about it. He will provide salvation. If you need that or any help this morning from this family, why don't you come? Let's stand and sing.